So today as we conclude Untended Fires, uh, the passage we're going to look at makes me think about something very specific with my boys. When we go and visit their family, our family in Georgia, when you go to the Atlanta airport, they have the plane train, which takes you between the terminals, and then the sky train, which takes you from the terminal to the rental car place, and we'll get on it and People will be holding the, you know, the balancing poles, whatever you call those things. And, uh, and then Noah and Owen sometimes will get on there and they'll plant their feet. The T has conditioned them really well. They'll plant their feet, square their shoulders, and just ride. And we'll watch people sort of slide on those uh, at the stops. But Noah and Owen sometimes will be so well planted. Uh, and I'm so, like, I'm always so proud. Like, my little boys are not little boys. They're kind of growing into young men. I see it right there. Yeah, I thought about that this week as I was talking with a church planter friend of mine here in Boston, and he was saying that recently a couple came to him and said, Pastor, uh, the wife had, had just gotten pregnant, and they decided pretty quickly and without talking with anyone in the church that they were going to sell their house and move out of the city. He said, I was heartbroken. He said, I, you know, I love every person in our church, but he said, I especially had come to love this couple, and they made this decision without talking with us at all about it and all of that. He said it was like a gut punch, but it was like a super difficult gut punch to have to say goodbye to his family. I, I thought about Noah and Owen's feet like being firmly planted on that train, and I felt like, you know what, following Christ in the city, following Christ in 2021 demands that our feet be firmly planted. What James is going to call today having an established heart, that our hearts would be established in the gospel and the coming of the Lord and in all of those things. And so let me ask you today as we get going, what are you established in? What are you deeply connected, rooted into so that you don't sway at the stops. Where are you established? And as we lead with that question, let's look at James chapter 5. We're wrapping up Untended Fires. Remember the series, if you're jumping in at the last, Untended Fires comes from a quote from author Gail McDonald who said, Untended Fires quickly die out and soon become a pile of ashes. And there are some things in our faith, we've been talking in this series, that we need to stoke up so they don't burn out. And there's some things in our faith that we need to let burn down, some things in our lives we need to let burn down untend them and let them go out. And so today we're going to talk one last time about some things we need to stoke up and some things in our life that we need to let burn down. Here we go. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient establish your hearts. I'm thinking about my boys planting their feet there on the train. Establish your hearts uh, for the coming of the Lord's at hand. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, so you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast, You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, the oldest, uh, probably the oldest book in the Bible, the, the story of the life of Job and how everything he lost, uh, he lost in one day, uh, his health, his children, so much of his prosperity, the respect of his wife, and yet he remained, even in the confusion and the questions, he remained f faithful believing God and even dialoguing with God at the end of the book. Remember 
the steadfastness of Job. And he says, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Verse 12, but above all, my brothers and sisters, don't swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The power of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years, six months, it didn't rain on the earth. And then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. God, would you honor your word? Will you talk with us, not just about how we can each individually or should each individually establish our hearts, but God, how our collective heart as Christ Church Charlestown would be collectively established together as we wait for the coming of Christ. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, James is advocating for these followers of Christ, these people mostly of Jewish descent who were from Jerusalem and now been scattered throughout the Roman Empire. He's advocating for them and for us to be rooted in Christ, to be rooted in the gospel, the good news that though we are sinful, God in love sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and rise from the dead so that through believing and turning from self-sovereignty, we can have relationship with God. He's advocating for us being rooted in Christ, rooted in the gospel, rooted in the word. And for being a, um, a church that's in it together for the long haul. What I would call like a slow church. That we're doing this together for a long time. That's what he's talking with these people about 2,000 years ago. And if he were speaking to us today, I think he would be saying the same thing. And he, he begins in that verse 7. He talks about, verse 7 and 8 talks about establishing our hearts, planting our hearts and waiting for the coming of the Lord, like waiting for the physical arrival of a ruler. James says, plant your hearts, establish your hearts, because you know that Jesus is coming and we're waiting for him to come and set up his, king, his, his kingdom and he'll rule as the good king over us. James says, plant your feet in anticipation of him planting his kingdom. Let me ask you, what would be the marks of an established people? Or what are some of the marks of an established people? Not just a person. Like, do I want you to be established? Yes. Do I want to be established in my faith? Yes. But James isn't writing to individuals. He's writing to tiny congregations and calling them to being established together. Let me share with you just a few marks I see very obviously here in James 5. Number one, um, an established people are patient. Be patient. He says that word patience three times in verses 7 and 8. If I asked you today, man, what can I pray for? So many of you would say, man, pastor, pray for patience. That is something that we all 
struggle with. And when it comes to God doing something in our lives, I want to tell you so often that belief that what God is doing compared to where we are now requires patience and conviction that even when we can't see it, God is doing something. Makes me think about the statue of David by Michelangelo. It took three years for him to develop that masterpiece from one piece of marble. Makes me think about the Sistine Chapel. Four years it took him to paint the masterpiece that is the Sistine Chapel. It makes me think about the Big Dig. What a masterpiece, right? I uh, wasn't here when the Big Dig was uh, going on, but I believe it took about 16 years to complete the Big Dig. And what a masterpiece that uh, is. And, And what a mess I believe that was based on every story that you guys have ever told me. James says, wait for the late rains. See, the winter rains in first century uh, Near East were heavy rains that would cause the crop to grow. But it was the late rains, the lighter rains that came in the spring that sort of brought the crops fully into uh, maturity. I want you to know today, whatever God's doing in, among us and in us, he's not done with it yet. We need to establish our hearts and be patient. We need to wait on God. We need to be patient with our community. We need to be patient with one another in faith. The second thing James says, says, be positive. If he first calls us to be patient, second, be positive. He says, don't grumble at one another. Don't grumble. Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. That's a verse that's quoted like crazy in our society today. Jesus later says, with the measure that you use to judge someone, it will also be measured back to you. So it's not that Jesus is not calling us to examine our lives and even call one another to account. He's telling us to be a gracious people. We need to be positive about what God's doing in one another's lives. We need to tame our tongue. Let the tongue be tamed. We need to burn down the fire of criticism and we need to stoke up the fire of encouragement and hope in the gospel working in one another's lives. Don't complain about one another. This is just a, we need to do it. We need to try to not complain about one another. I know some of you have had swear jars in the past. Might be good if you created a criticism jar that you fed every time you Um, in an ungracious way, criticize someone or criticize someone behind their back. We need to give the benefit of the doubt. That's part of being positive. We even need to root for grace to win in the heart of one another. Because I'll be honest, there's a lot of times where I wonder if grace is winning in my life. And having people who are rooting for us is so helpful. The third thing that James says here that marks an established church of established people is that they persevere. They remain steadfast. James says it is, and the other translation says, keep on enduring, keep enduring. We could plant this church. I'll be honest, like I've told a couple of you this this summer, we could plant this church without you. Just honestly, we don't want to. We love you. We want you to keep persevering with us. Work the plan. We want to work the plan that God's put before us, which is to, we want to follow Christ relationally. We want to love Christ. We want to love one another, the church. And we want to love this community, Charlestown. We want to love the word. I want you to be here. That's part of the plan for this fall. Joining a group. I want you to join a small group. I want you to serve our community or our world or our church and exercise your God-given giftedness in the days to come. We want to persevere, keep going forward. 
The next mark that James lists is uh, that we would be plain spoken. It's where he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Jesus, James's half-brother, actually talked about this as well. Plain spoken people are steady people, faithful people, measured people, truthful people, reliable people, people of integrity. And that's so different than our cultural norm, to be honest. So different. So often... uh, I guess this didn't always exist. The old people in my life tell me it didn't always exist. So often our generation and younger kind of will say maybe to an invite to something. Will you come to this? Maybe we get, you know, an evite to something. We say maybe, not a yes, not a no. We say maybe. We keep our options open. Nothing better comes up. Well, we'll be there. You know, we even do this with church and following Christ together. We'll be there if there's not something else. And so we sort of maybe on our faith in a thousand different ways. And, and, and James is saying, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. If Jesus is Lord, follow him all the way through. In 2016, the Oxford Dictionary, word of the year was post-truth, that we live in a post-truth culture. So we hear so often people say, man, this is my truth. This is my truth. I got to express my truth. And that's fine. But the problem is there isn't necessarily my truth. Truth is objective. It's not subjective. It's not internal. Truth is out here. And so as long as my truth or the way I perceive the truth is actually true, then it's truth. But we don't get to all define truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so when we look at reality through who Christ is and what he's done and how that affects us, then we ought to be truthful people, truth tellers who see and submit to the truth. Um, God's people, because Jesus is the truth and calls us to be True people who are plain spoken, yes be yes, no be no. God's people don't lie. We don't exaggerate. We don't withhold part of the truth. These are things that are unbecoming of a follower of Christ. And so our yes is yes, our no is no, James says. The next one that he mentions is a mark of an established people is prayer. I'll be honest, um, there are seasons in my life where I pray faithfully and diligently. And there are other seasons where it's a real struggle and it seems like my prayers aren't getting past the ceiling. But that doesn't mean that I don't have to pray both individually and corporately. James lived out what he talked about in verse 13 and 15. Do you know that in his old age, James knees so wore out that the church father Eusebius said that He literally had to be helped around, but he would constantly be so down on his knees praying that it literally wore his knees completely out. He practiced what he preached when he said, is anyone suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone sick? Call for the elders and and the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick. He lived that out. He was a man of prayer. He also, despite being a man of deep faith, just sort of off the script, Um, God never healed his knees. And so prayer so often is not necessarily about getting God to give us the stuff we want as much as it's actually about letting our hearts be aligned with the heart of God. And James is calling Christians and churches and pastors to be aligned with the heart of God and to boldly and confidently come and ask our good father who wants to give us 
the very best. And so we are to be a praying people. We ought to pray together. I love it that some of you, even this week, have texted me and said, can you call me? I need prayer about this. And we prayed together over the phone. Honestly, it's one of the greatest honors that you give me as your pastor. We need to be an established people. When you're in this room on Sundays, you need to be unafraid to look at your brother or your sister in Christ and say, I'm struggling. Will you pray for me? Not just, can I vent to you? Can I share with you? Can I unload this? But Will you pray for me and will you journey with me and, uh, and allow us to pray with you and for you? James also says, is anyone suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Sing praise. Now, we don't do this so well all the time. I think praise and being joyful and jubilant is one of those things that we do really well Monday through Saturday, but not necessarily well in church. Like maybe we're afraid we're going to get carried away if we do some of that. Listen, if the Patriots score a touchdown next week and Mac Jones on his first drive throws a big touchdown and the Pats get up, I'm going to have no problem celebrating. I want to call us to be people who celebrate the Lord and praise the Lord. So Throw on some Maverick City. Throw on some Wren Collective. Throw on some upbeat music that glorifies and worships Jesus. And just don't be afraid to get rowdy at times. Speak praise. Um, speak words of praise over words of complaint. Speak words of praise over words of criticism. When we're in here, don't be afraid to say, man, praise the Lord. Let me tell you what God's doing. Praise God. Let me tell you how he provided for me. Praise the Lord. This is what Jesus is up to in my life. Let's over praise. Let's, if we're going to err on one side or the other, and praising God and bringing him glory and celebrating what he's doing, let's err on the side of over praising, especially when we have something to be cheerful and joyful about. When we come in here on the 12th and there's a great crowd in here and we get to see God beginning to do a new thing, Man, let's not praise Christ Church Charlestown. Let's be really careful and, and, um, and overpraise the Lord for what he's doing, he's about to do. Next, James says confession. He talks about confession. Uh, Henry Blackaby said, confession is not a sign of weakness. Confession is evidence of your refusal to allow sin to remain in your life. And uh, confession restores intimacy with God. It's not that God went anywhere. It's that we wandered off. And confession is the declaration that we want to come back. It's the, and when we confess to one another, it's the death of pride before a brother or sister in the faith. Now, confession is not like what a lot of us, biblical confession is not necessarily like what a lot of us in Christ Church Charlestown have experienced in the past. I want to tell you, biblical confession is one-on-one. Usually that's normative. It's one person confessing some sins to another. It's, um, it's first made, though, to the offended believer. If I've offended you when I confess, I come and confess that sin to you not just to someone else to offload it. Um, Confession uh, is to a mature believer, preferably of the same sex. Confession, once we, if we just need to get it off our chest, once we've confessed and asked forgiveness of one we've offended, or if it wasn't against someone, we confess our sin to a mature believer. Uh, 
<laughs> confession is very concrete and uh, it's not lurid. Like we're not trying to give everyone the brutal details. We're just trying to say, look, I committed this sin. I did this thing. I was wrong. I sinned against the Lord. And then the person who is confessing hears from the one who is being confessed to, uh, brother, sister, Jesus forgives you. You are forgiven. And then that person prays for them and tries to not be the Holy Spirit, but come alongside the Holy Spirit and releasing us from that sin debt. Finally, let me tell you that uh, confession is not a law. It's not a sacrament. It's a choice we make in faith, but it's not a law. And then the last, um, the last mark of an established people is that we pursue one another. We pursue one another. No one wanders away unnoticed. I think churches often want to have hopefully big front doors so that everyone is welcome and everyone can come in. And if you come in on Sunday, we want you here. Sometimes if we're not careful, though, churches can have just as large of back doors and people can wander away and feel like no one noticed, no one cared. And listen, we all wander. Everyone wanders at times. And so we need to be told when we wander, come back. We need you here. We, we chase one another down. James, so he kind of ends the letter of James. He says, if anyone wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. When someone wanders and we all wander, we pray for that person. We call them, we text them, we go see them and we say, I miss you. Are you doing okay? And I'm going to be honest, like dead level honest with you as your pastor. I cannot carry, I cannot do that all by myself. Like we've got to pursue one another and established people, godly established people pursue one another. We see ourselves as family in one body and we have to go get one another. I want to call us to be an established church of established Christ followers with established hearts, as James talks about here. It's not about our church, not about Christ Church Charlestown. It's not about our goodness, but it's about Christ's work that he plants his church and he grows our hearts. We believe and we surrender to that. That's the gospel, family. That's the gospel. It's that we are not good. We can't start a church. We can't establish our hearts, but Christ loves us and he moves toward us. And we then receive in salvation what he offers us. And then we are rooted and grounded in the love of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, God in us, and the truth of the gospel, the beauty of the word, the conviction of the word, the power of the Bible. And we move forward. We, in those things, we establish our hearts together. So if you're watching today uh, and you're at this point in the message, first of all, watching on a Labor Day weekend as a not yet follower of Christ, you win the gold sticker. Good job. Let me call you to do one of two things. Let me call you to perhaps respond in faith, to surrender your life today to Christ. Or if you're not yet ready to do that, because that's a process, right? Like we have head objections. We have heart objections and we have hand objections and we need to work through those before we take a leap of faith. If you're not there yet, I want to encourage you to continue to come, continue to watch, continue to ask questions. Allow your feet permission to be rooted in the gospel and in God's people, the church. 
if you are here and you're watching and uh, you are a Christ follower, I, I think about my friend Charlie Dunn, who pastors Hub Church over in South Boston. Their motto is uh, Hub Church, here for good, with the double meaning that A, they don't plan to go anywhere, and B, they are there to serve South Boston well. I want to encourage us to be here for good, that we would be a slow church, a planted church committed to living out the gospel together. So if you're a Christ follower, I want to call you through to three levels of planting yourself. One, I want to challenge you. Will you be here next Sunday, September 12th and or the 19th and or the 26th? I want you to make a sacrifice, make arrangements to be here those three Sundays. And I want to challenge you to be part of our Through Our Eyes project, our photo project that kicks off this week. I want you to be part of it on some level to serve or participate or encourage someone to be in on it. And then finally, would you be part of a small group? I want to challenge you. A small group start the week of September 20th. I want you to be in a group. I want to challenge you. That's the plan that we believe God's put before us, and we want to walk in that together. So establish yourself and what God's doing in the next month. Establish, let's be established together over the next 99 days from Next Sunday to the Sunday before Christmas is 99 days. Will you be here and be all in over those three months leading up toward when we will celebrate the birth of Jesus at the end of the year? And then finally, I want to challenge you to what uh, so many church, new churches, church planters, and church pastors in Boston are calling their congregations to. I want to encourage you to call Christ Church Charlestown your church for the next three years. For three years, would you come alongside and love Christ, love the church, and love this community and establish yourself and help establish this congregation? Uh, I think when we mention this, I think about Renee and I think about Scott and I think about Meg and Chris Morgan and I think about Bree uh, and Greg Grasicki and I think about Vaskin. I think about Dan and Julie Heelsman. I think about Natalie and just a couple other people who were part of the first small group that became Christ Church Charlestown. They planted themselves for a year and helped us get this thing going. You are watching today because they established their hearts and we established our hearts together. Would you, unless God picks you up and moves you, commit three years to come and help establish your hearts, establish a church here in Boston's oldest neighborhood and be part of what God's doing? Let me pray for us. God, for ones today who may need to give their life to you, I pray that they would do that. If they're not sure how, I pray that they would reach out to me or to a trusted, mature Christian friend and say, how do I give my life to Christ? For the ones who aren't ready to do that yet, Lord, because there's head or heart or, or will objections, I pray that they would keep watching and, and come alongside and, and, and journey with us right where they are. Thank you for those who come faithfully Sunday after Sunday and aren't sure yet what they believe, but they're open to it. Lord, for those who are part of Christ Church Charlestown, I pray that they would stoke up an established heart and they would burn down um, a sort of being on the fence. Lord, that we would be in this together, deeply committed to Christ, deeply committed to the word, deeply committed to this church, deeply committed to this community as we await the return of King Jesus. We love you. God, I pray you would do something new next Sunday, the 12th, that we would enter into a new season and it would be incredible. We love you. We honor you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
hey, before we get out of here and go do a cookout or whatever it is that we're going to do today, let me just ask you, don't forget to go fill out your connection card, ChristChurchCharlestown.com slash connect. Um, would love and appreciate you letting us know, especially today because we're only online, that you were here. Don't forget on Wednesday, Through Our Eyes kicks off. Uh, just a couple other things going on this week. This Saturday, the 11th, we'll be serving up in Gloucester. If anybody wants to go, we'll have a small team going to Gloucester to help Cody Ayton and Freedom Church Gloucester, if it's getting started up there, as they do a, a family fun day in Burnham Field right there in the city of Gloucester. If you'd be willing to come do that, reach out to us, let us know. You can even tell us on your connection card in the other line. And then, uh, and then next Sunday, September 12th, be here at 1015. Can't wait to see what God's going to do. It's going to be a new season. Not sure what it's going to look like. Not sure what the new norm's going to be, but we're moving toward it. And, uh, and I love you. Can't wait to journey with you. God bless you guys. Have a great afternoon.